You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Uh, this is show number 20, so we've hit another uh, decade, if you would, for pros like us, so we're pretty happy about that. But, uh, we'll be talking about a few things. There's some players on the move, a uh, little fantasy-wide receiver talk. Yeah, a lot of cuts coming, players on the move. It's that time of year. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, and yeah, we, the frenzy has started. Uh, teams are letting go of some of their veteran players i would say uh they're cutting back trying to get under that salary cap when we talked about jj watt on the previous show the arizona cardinals were not on the list you and i didn't have that no i don't think anybody had them on on the list i guess we should have connected the dots i mean you want to go somewhere warm yeah and hey he gets a chance to reconnect with deandre hopkins sure D-Hop, uh, Vance Joseph. I think he was a defensive backs coach in Houston, so I'm sure you know he's familiar with him. The weather, I mean, you've got a young quarterback that's pretty talented. Now, you know, all these other teams on the list, Green Bay, Tennessee, Buffalo. And the one real surprise to me was the amount of money. So $31 million over two years, 23 guaranteed. I don't know that any of those teams that we mentioned would have offered that. And especially without knowing what the cap is going to be yet. I mean, they've kind of set the floor, if you would, at $180 million. The league still hasn't given an official, okay, here's what the cap is going to be. So that was a tough one. Cleveland, I think, may have gone to that number. If you remember last year, I think they offered about as much for Jadevian Clowney before he ultimately uh, went to Tennessee. Yeah, that was uh, it's good for him. He looks happy. It's a great place to live from what I hear, and uh, you, you can't beat the weather. You don't have to play by the lake in the wintertime, whether Buffalo or Cleveland, or you know the frozen tundra in Green Bay gets to play inside, you know, climate controlled. It's the West, the best division in the, in the league, you know. Yeah, and also it gets to play near Chandler Jones, which I guess over the last decade, they're the two of the, two of the leaders in, in sacks. With this move, I'm not saying it puts them over the top, but do you think the Arizona Cardinals should be the favorites in the NFC West oh, next no. season? No. I, no, I don't think J.J. Watt is really going to be the player that's going to put you over the hump. And I think he realized that too, and I think that kind of factored into his decision. I think he's definitely going to help. I mean, obviously, with the pass rush, if they bring Reddick back, he, he seemed to kind of find his legs last year as a pass rusher as well. I think the Rams are going to be a little bit better again some things are in flux you know you don't who's the who's the quarterback for San Francisco we think it's going to be Garoppolo but who knows they're going to be better Bosa's going to come back they're going to be a healthier team you know knock on wood you know for a good portion of the season so Arizona I think is is still on the come I mean they're going to be a better team I think they will contend but to say they're the favorite right now I think might be a little too far with uh you know looking at the other teams in this division hear me out sure here's why i think they're the favorites i'm not saying the jj watt signing puts them over the top 
But I think that connection with Kyla Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I think it's going to be better in that second year. I thought the defense improved as the season rolled on. The Arizona Cardinals were playing better there. They do need to fix their secondary because Patrick Peterson is, is gone. But they do have some pieces. It's not only Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. Isaiah Simmons improved as a rookie, uh, played better in the second half of the year. They have one of the most underrated safeties that never gets talked about, Buda Baker. And I know that Arizona is going to spend a high pick on a wide receiver, whether it's in the first round or on day two, because we don't know if Larry Fitzgerald is coming back, but they always like to stockpile as many wide receivers as they can. I just feel like the Rams are going to take a little bit of a step back on defense, in my opinion, because their defensive coordinator is moving on. They do bring in Matthew Stafford, so he makes the quarterback position in that offense probably a little bit better. But I just don't know how good the defense is going to be without the main, the main man in charge. Seattle is just a lot of question marks. I'm not saying Russell is going somewhere, but I do think Seattle has a lot of things that they need to fix, and they have to get on the same page with their quarterback. Do they want to be a passing team or a running team? There seems to be some philosophical differences between the quarterback and the head coach. And um, the 49ers, they just, you don't know how good they're going to be. Also, Robert Sala has, has accepted the job with the New York Jets, and he was kind of that fiery guy on the defensive side of the ball. We still have pieces, but we don't have, again, the main man in charge. And I'm just, I'm not a believer in Jimmy G and we're hearing rumors about Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers even looking in, in Teddy Bridgewater's direction. That was the last rumor that I heard. If they're looking at Teddy B instead of Jimmy G, then Garoppolo isn't safe at all. And I just expect I expect John Lynch to, to be aggressive. If they don't get a quarterback and through a trade, then they're probably going to go get that quarterback in the first round. Don't be surprised if the 49ers make a move for a quarterback into the top 10. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that for a second. And I don't, I don't know that it's, you know, J- Jimmy Garoppolo, the player. I guess it's more so his health. I mean, his availability. So if he's not around, then no. I mean, it, it, he's not really helping them. But when he is healthy, they seem to win games. Now, granted, you know, the last thing everybody remembers is the the throw he missed to Manuel Sanders in the Super Bowl that they could have won them the game. That seems to stick out because, again, he is oft injured and, you know, that just kills their team. So, yeah, I I would expect them to make a move. I don't know if it's Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe that's, you know, again, that's agent type stuff that gets leaked. Perhaps they did reach out, and I would imagine they'll do their due diligence with any any quarterback that they believe is available, including somebody like Deshaun Watson, which, again, of course, is not available if you listen to the Houston front office. But, uh, yeah, as far as Arizona is concerned, yeah, I think they they do have a chance in the division. I just wouldn't go so far as to make him the favorite. Other than DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, we still don't know if he's going to play. Christian Kirk is kind of up and down and hasn't really stepped up and taken that, you know, second receiver spot. So that's that's another place that I think they're going to have to look. So, yeah, a lot of question marks. It's, It's the NFC West. I think it's a great division. Raheem Morris, I think, will be a great replacement as a defensive coordinator in Los Angeles. You know, all those teams, I think, have things they can point to that are going to make them better. 
they also have some things stepping in, you know, in their way that might make them uh, regress a bit. That's like every team right now. So I think we'll get a much better picture after free agency, after all these cuts that are coming, after the signings that come up, after the draft. And, you know, as we get into the summer, we'll start the delving into who's who the favorites are. But, you know, to just kind of wrap up this particular topic, I, I think this is a great move. You know, at the end of the day for J.J. Watt, gets the money, gets to play with a team with uh, or some players that are familiar to him, a former defensive coach he's familiar with, and gets to play alongside one of the other great sack artists in the NFL. We go on fantasy here. We're going to talk about some wide receivers we would pay to see, pay to see play. Okay, so I'm going to stress that. Not not always talking about the best. Some of those best ones are going to fall into this category. Yeah, we, we opened it up. 100 years of the NFL. Whoever you want. Top three. A lot of these we don't discuss beforehand who we're going to pick, which, you know, I guess in some cases we could, but we don't want to stage it. But some obvious choices are going to be the best receivers of all time. Jerry Rice. I mean, you know, a guy that just once he got into his prime or once he got himself going after his first you know year in the league of having some difficulties just took the league by storm and really was explosive for most of the time he played and he played well into his uh well into his 40s Randy Moss just a freak of nature as soon as he came into the league now he had his some issues personally or whatever but again a guy that you knew that any time during the course of a game he could break it open take a short pass and take it deep or just run by the defense moss somebody if you would take the ball off their helmet so those two are a lock. So I do have those on my list. I think Alex may have went the other way just so we weren't talking about the same guys all the time. But I do have a third guy. A little bit of a surprise, but I think I'll save him for after you go. Look, Jerry Rice certainly changed the position. He was a precise route runner that caught everything that, that was thrown in his direction. We all know the story. He's not the fastest guy out there. He came out of a small college, but was still drafted in the first round and just hard work. I mean, that's that's what kind of paved the way for him. He just he outworked everyone, even when he was in his 40s. He was still grinding. He was still getting the job done. And because he wasn't the most talented guy, wasn't the most athletic guy, but certainly, like, again, he, he produced in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs. But when Randy Moss came into the league, Lou, you remember like his rookie season? We had Justin Jefferson this year and we had Anquan Bolden, but Randy Moss was still the picture for me of the best rookie wide receiver in the league because he lit up the Cowboys and he lit up the entire league. I realized that the Vikings had Chris Carter, which isn't too shabby. Chris Carter is one of the best wide receivers, too, to ever play the game. But Randy just changed the game. We have never seen before OBJ showed up, right? We've never seen a guy just almost like jump out of the gym and with two, three defensive backs around him, and he was still coming with that ball in the air, you know, in between those defensive backs. It didn't matter how many guys you had on him. You just throw it up to him, and he'll come down with the ball. That was that was incredible. We forgot all about him when he was with the with the Raiders, 
but then he surfaced once again with the Patriots, and him and Tom Brady had a great connection there for a couple of years as well. Well, when he was motivated, there was nobody that could stop him, and I think that was maybe some of the, some of the knocks against him was you know during games he might disappear at times, but when you needed him to make a play or just needed to score, whether it was the red zone or anywhere on the field, he's going to make a play. Just, you know, he was, you know, the super freak, if you would, because, you know, again, he was unstoppable, had the speed, had the size. I mean, wasn't really a, a really strong receiver, if you would. He was kind of kind of skinnier, but he could still get in, bet- in between the safeties and the, and the, and the corners and, and make a play. And usually it was well above the rim so to speak you know a couple other names that i had thrown i mean calvin johnson obviously a lot of those same qualities but uh, i guess the one player and i'll be a homer here that's playing today that i would certainly pay to see even if he didn't play for kansas city i would say tyree kill he's just one of the most exciting guys you'll ever see at any time during during the game whether it's from the backfield going in motion on a jet sweep a short pass a deep pass a punt return he can go the distance anytime he touches the ball so those are the types of guys that i was looking at and say i would pay for well when he came into the league he um, you know he was one of the fastest guys and he developed as a receiver as a route runner as a pass catcher because I think a lot of people don't remember him but at Oklahoma State Tyree Kill was running back before he was dismissed so he's just an athlete that the Chiefs took a chance on in the fifth round because of his off the field baggage and he has really worked at his craft I mean say what you want but Tyree Kill is kind of one of those you know stories that you just didn't expect and he came out of nowhere so I also have Randy Moss on my list. Um, I knew that Jerry Rice was going to be on your list, so I want it to be a little bit different. I'm going to go with the playmaker, Lou. I'm going to go with Michael Irvin, even though I'm a 49ers fan, but I remember Michael Irvin killing the Niners in the playoffs and just putting up those huge numbers. He always came up big in the clutch. And in the playoffs, he saved his best for last. And it was just 750 receptions, 65 touchdowns. If it wasn't for that neck injury that cut his career short, I mean, we would have seen more. I mean, we would have seen Michael Irvin go over a 1,000 catches during his career, a five-time Pro Bowler, a Hall of Famer. Right now, kids know him as a, as a goofy, energetic broadcaster, you know. Dallas who's, who's Homer. Inter- <laughs> entertaining people out there. I, I realize that, but he was just an amazing wide receiver. From the, Again, a guy from, the, was, from the U, so I mean, he's had swag since uh, probably high school. And Jimmy Johnson knew all about him. That's why he drafted him in the first round. Again, he wasn't a fast guy. He was like a 4-6 guy that was drafted in the first round, but he was big. He knew how to use his body on those slant routes, and he would come down with those 50-50 balls. I mean, and what I loved about him the most is he played with so much emotion and so much passion. There weren't a lot of players as passionate as Michael Irvin on and off the football field, and that's why I put him on this list. I realize that he'll never be in the top 10 for most folks, as a wide receiver, but for me, he's definitely a top 10 receiver just because of what he brought to that franchise. He never gets talked about in the same breath as Emmett Smith or Troy Aikman. Those were the original triplets, but Michael Irvin was, was the guy that was just 
so clutch when it mattered the most in the playoffs and and during those three Super Bowl wins that that they won. And another guy, I have to go with Marvin Harrison. When we're talking about Michael Irvin, we're talking about brash, exuberant, right? We know all about him. He likes to talk, and he always liked to, to give interviews. Marvin Harrison was this quiet guy that never talked to anybody. You didn't even know that he existed, that he was on the Colts roster, except that he, he did his talking on the football field. He was just Mr. Consistency over the long haul. I think he had like 10 seasons over like 1,000 yards, I think. Peyton Manning's favorite target. He was always on the field, durable. Another guy that doesn't get talked about enough, and probably because he wasn't, he should have hired a, a PR firm to to, <laughs> to kind of I just promote think that him. Really a wasn't bit his more. personality. You're right. He probably did need somebody to speak for him. And you know, typically, I think when you'd hear things about Marvin Harrison, it would be coming out of Peyton Manning's mouth or Reggie Wayne's mouth or his teammates because he just was a guy, like you said, just you know went about his business and his business was big time production, speed. Uh, he was just, just a great player. He was a precise route runner. And you know, when I look at Devontae Smith from Alabama, Marvin Harrison is the first name that jumps out at me. Yeah, skinny, skinnier guy, yeah skinnier guy smith might not be as fast as harrison uh, but i think he's more athletic they run great routes and they they can do so many things they can line up outside or in the slot i just see a lot of marvin harrison in in Devontae smith's game and harrison is a player that i respect a lot and uh, we all watch those indianapolis colts teams they had great offensive weapons but you can always count on Marvin Harrison to make that play in the clutch, you know, for Peyton Manning. And uh, that's why he's a name that that really sticks out to me as well. All right. So my third guy that I've been holding, I think if we have if we have any older listeners, they're probably going to remember this guy. But most of you, even with Marvin Harrison, in some cases, you or Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, you'll have to go back to YouTube videos and so forth. Well, this one for sure. One of the original AFL superstars back in the day, played in the 60s. He's a Hall of Famer. Think of those baby blues of the San Diego Chargers and Sid Gilman's long-distance passing game. Number 19, that's right, Bambi was his nickname, Lance Allworth. Lance Allworth was like white lightning is, is, is the first thing that I think of. He was, again, Sid Gilman kind of brought the long passing game into football. At that time, the AFL, but eventually it did become the NFL. From 63 to 66, he averaged nearly 20 yards a catch, 19 yards a catch. Scored an average 13 touchdowns per year. Okay, And in those years, actually, he averaged between 19 and 23 yards per catch, and still his all-time yards per catch is like 19. So big plays, number 19, went to Arkansas, YouTube him, Lance Allworth. He played his last two seasons uh, with the Cowboys and ended up getting a Super Bowl uh, with Roger Staubach and that crew, if these names even make sense to anybody out there, uh, or or you remember these names? Seriously, check him out. I mean, he was a sight to behold. Speed, route running. I mean, the whole everything we talk about right now. If he was playing today, we'd be talking about him. You know, at near at the top of this list. But uh, yeah, Bambi, number nineteen, San Diego Chargers. Yeah, he was he was something. 
you know, before I was trying to get Lou to open up and tell me who his third wide receiver was. Well, you surprised me, man. I mean, you really did. And it's, I thought maybe Lynn Swan, uh, you know, but that's a possibility yeah. because he always came up with the huge yep. catch in the playoffs or during those Super Bowl runs. I certainly didn't expect that. I mean, the, the original charger, you know, the big play threat. I certainly know who he is. I didn't see him live. Well, he is in the Hall of Fame. I never saw him live. So this would definitely be like old AFL highlights or just, you know, YouTube his name, you know, Lance Allworth. And uh, you'll see some acrobatics. You'll see speed. You'll see hands like no other. I was just a great player. He's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I already mentioned that. Super, super player. All right. Speaking of players that are playing currently uh, we already mentioned that that JJ Watt finally found a team but we've seen a few players that have been released in the last couple of days and and none bigger than I would say the quarterback from Washington Alex Smith the guy that you're very familiar with because he played with the Kansas City Chiefs and in Andy Reid well absolutely obviously Washington was I'm sure they were pleasantly surprised but by the same token, they were they probably put them in a tough spot too because they had to use him. They he had to play. I don't know if Haskins. I mean, if he would have kept his head on straight and he would have played all year, if we would have even seen Alex Smith. But it was a great story. He came back, and now they're saying, well, you know, Taylor Heineke. They brought him off off the couch to play in the playoff game, and hey, he he looked pretty good. And Alex is a little bit older. Obviously, the injury has uh, limited his escapability. I mean, one of his best parts of his game was speed. But you can't say enough about what his mentorship would be to a young quarterback and the leadership that he would bring. My concern is that he would have to accept that role going to, you know, particular teams. And I, you know, I'm sure there's one in particular that you're going to, you're going to bring up in a second. I'm pretty sure we're on the same page with this one, but I think he wants to play good. This is going to be a tough one, you know, because it's going to be hard for teams to really say, okay, this is going to be our guy. Even in the short term, you know, you have that just catastrophic injury. I mean, down the stretch, he had some calf issues, and I would imagine that had something to do with the, the leg that was crushed. It's a great story. I'm, I'm happy he got a chance to play because that may have been the last, you know, significant playing time that he gets, you know, knock on wood for any team that brings him in because I'm sure they'll want him to back up. Yeah, I love Alex Smith. I hope he gets a chance, but I don't really see it being in a major role well he went 11 and 5 was his record as the starter at Washington he went 5 and 2 down the stretch when he came back look the team rallied around him when he became the starter because nobody saw Washington making the playoffs and they did it and I realized it was a team effort but there's always a quarterback in the forefront Alex Smith has his limitations but he guided that ship when they had problems with Dwayne Haskins, right? I can't imagine Washington making the playoffs with Dwayne Haskins as the starter. If Alex Smith didn't assume that role, 
Washington would be, you know, picking somewhere in the top 10. And you hate to be a cynic, but again, I mean, it, but for being in the NFC East, they probably don't make the playoffs, right? I mean, there's no no way. No, absolutely not. But again, they, they are in the NFC East right. and, and they lucked out in that regard. I think there is a perfect spot for him. It's not going to be as the starter. It's going to be as a backup. Patrick Mahomes has mentioned numerous times that what he learned from Alex Smith in that one year uh, when he was the starter with the Chiefs, he endorses the guy uh, from the bottom of his heart because he developed him. He helped him become what he is right now. I just think the Jacksonville Jaguars make a lot of sense. Urban Meyer coached Alex Smith at Utah. And uh, obviously, he's not the same player that he was when he came out and became the number one overall pick by the Niners. But with Trevor Lawrence coming in, he is going to be the number one overall pick. I don't think there's a better spot where a former number one overall pick will be able to to mentor the new number one overall pick. I just think the familiarity makes too much sense to me. And I think Alex Smith should go to the Jaguars. Well, that I guess that's the direction I, I expected uh, you to go and to most, most people to go because it makes the most sense. And then the other thing is you've got uh, Trevor coming off of uh, shoulder surgery. Now it's the non-throwing shoulder, but, you know, who knows? You know, he may not be ready to play right away. And, you know, Alex can kind of get things rolling, uh, you know, until he's ready. I mean, he's going to have to accept that. In other words, going in knowing that you're really not here to play. It's almost like it's almost like a, a being a quarterback coach, so to speak. Granted, he it was reversed the other way. Yes, he did help Patrick Mahomes immensely. Patrick got the master's class, but Alex was playing at the time. And he kind of knew the writing was on the wall and he was going to leave, but he was a starter and probably expected to be a starter wherever he landed his next spot. And that was the plan in Washington until the catastrophic injury. So at this point, he has to kind of reconcile with himself. In his mind, I believe he thinks he can still play and he can offer his uh, abilities on the field as well as off the field, but more so on the field. Yeah, I think from our perspective, we say, hey, this would be perfect. This would be great. This would be great for uh, for Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, Jacksonville. I mean, everything makes sense. The caveat is, would Alex accept that role at this point if he believes in his mind that he can still start in this league and be a contributor? I don't think anybody is going to give him a shot as a starter. A player like him who loves football so much because you have to really love it in order to attempt this type of comeback so i think for a player that just enjoys being around his teammates and being around the game i think there's no question alex smith will accept a backup role but i don't see anybody in the nfl giving him a shot to to become the the clear-cut starter because alex smith has always had limitations He's never had a big arm. He was a smart guy, but he wasn't a guy that was going to attack all areas of the field. He's kind of a perfect fit for a West Coast type of offense where he can work through those progressions, spread the ball around, and march his team down the field with the with the short passing game. But I don't like some of the things that have come out from Washington. I don't understand, like, 
Alex saying some things and Washington saying some things. I mean, it's a great story. Why are they kind of ruining it? Because some stories have come out where Washington didn't want him to be the starter, and they didn't want to risk that. But it happened, so just roll with it. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. I think it was Alex did an interview with... um can't remember the name of the publication, but uh, I don't know if it was GQ or some, something. It was non-football uh, publication. But, yeah, I mean, he it was almost like they were afraid to put him in. I don't know that it – not so much that they didn't want him. To, I think they were afraid, actually, that he would re-injure himself. And then, you know, another PR nightmare for this team that's gone through so so much, you know, in the press – for off the field stuff that you know that could have been a black eye on them to say geez you know why'd they put him out there he's it was all he could do to learn how to walk again to to, you know to put him out there and put him in in harm's way so I, i don't know i mean that's just my speculation from the Washington perspective, for Alex to say that though that that was the part that really surprised me because he typically, I mean, for those types of things, I think he would keep to himself, especially if he knew he was on his way out. But then again, maybe he feels like he's got a little bit of an axe to grind now because you know he did so well and they're kind of casting him off. I can't see Alex Smith riding off into the sunset, but I also can't see. I was going to say, how about? I mean, and again, I don't know what's happening, what New England is doing, but how about somewhere like New England? If they're not sold on bringing Cam Newton back, or if they're not going to, and again, you need somebody for again, I don't know what what they're waiting for to bring in their next quarterback of the future or next franchise quarterback as far as New England goes. There might be one place where he actually would have a legitimate shot at starting. I think it's too much of a risk, Lou. They took a chance on Cam Newton coming back from an injury, and we didn't see the same quarterback, right? I mean, that's not the Cam Newton that we're accustomed to. And we were led to believe that he was in great shape and, you know, he worked back from that injury. I just think it would be too much of a risk for the Patriots to take because Bill Belichick wants to prove to the entire world that he can bounce back and bring the Patriots back into the playoffs. And if he brings Alex Smith in, that's a huge question mark. It didn't work with Cam Newton, and I'm not sure... it could work with Alex Smith. They need to move on. They they need to look in, in a different direction, to, to be honest with you. They need somebody healthy. They can't even take a chance on somebody like Jimmy G because he can't stay healthy. Just bringing that name out there if the 49ers do decide to move on. I just think they either have to go through the draft but knowing Bill, he's going to try to bring in some veterans. Yeah, they've never done. They've never done it. Shot. Nor the. I mean, the highest pick. I think Garoppolo was like a high second round pick, right? When they brought him. Correct. I know they've they've never spent a first round uh, pick on a quarterback. They absolutely have to change. I so and I think there it's also what quarterback are you going to bring in that's going to want to go there because of the lack of weapons. I mean, that was the whole reason Brady left. Seriously, I mean, it, they don't have a lot of skilled players that are elite. Edelman's at the end of his career and or near the end. He's been hurt a lot lately. You know, they swung and I don't want to say they missed with Nikhil Harry, 
but he oh, he isn't exactly what they expected uh, at this point. They really don't have any pass catching tight ends. Where in the in the past, it seemed like they always had two or three. Again, not saying this is a perfect landing spot for Alex Smith. If he does have a chance somewhere, I would think it would be there again as another stopgap. If they do end up bringing in a young quarterback through the draft. All right. I mean, it's an interesting theory. I just can't imagine like Bill Belichick signing off on this because you don't know like what you're going to get with Alex Smith. Can he perform at a high level for for 16 games, especially when I'm not saying Bill's job is on the line, but I'm sure in his mind, he's in the office right now at like three o'clock. I mean, he's sleeping on his couch in his office right now because He's thinking, hey, I got rid of the quarterback. He just won the Super Bowl, right, with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I got to prove to the entire world. I know how Bill Belichick functions. I mean, he wants to be the greatest ever, and now there, there's some question marks in there. He doesn't have anything to prove to anyone except for himself, and I think he's his worst enemy right now. That That's my question mark here. There's no way that he could take a chance on another veteran quarterback with health issues for the second straight year he swung he missed you know he might as well just sign cam newton for another year and bring him back instead of trying to you know dip his toe in the the alex smith market gonna be the most i don't want to say most interesting but one of the interesting quarterback dilemmas of the league because there's so many it can't be the most interesting one because you still have deshaun watson out there but but yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to see what the the patriots do do they bring cam back you know they jimmy garoppolo become come available and they go back in that direction but yeah players are starting to get cut though kyle van noy was a little bit of a, a surprise to me uh, they just signed him to a four-year deal, although the way the deal was structured, I guess it's really not going to crush them cap-wise. I think it's only like $4 million dead money, but they will save some against the cap as far as Miami's concerned. But thought he played well, uh, but he's out. Kyle Rudolph from uh, you know, tight end for Minnesota is moving on. Jets have cut Henry Anderson, defensive tackle. Denver cut Jarrell Casey and A.J. Bouye. I guess the next name that comes up, big name, didn't play last year, injury, Von Miller. This is going to be a tough one because of the injury. And you've seen other free agents that are coming off of injury. It's hard to roll the dice. You know, he's got a big cap number coming up, like $22 million. Now, granted, it looks like Denver's under the the base cap, if you would, about $31 million under the cap. So money's not the issue here, although they did cut loose some big money players that are on the north side of 30. And it looks like Von Miller is going to be 32 soon. What do they do? You got Justin Simmons out there that they have to sign. This is a tough one. I, I, I'm getting the sense that because of his age, the injury, the cap number, unless he does some sort of restructure or take his number way down, he's out of there. I agree with you. I think they're going to ask him to take a pay cut. I'm not questioning the fact that Von Miller, he can come back from this injury and still be a very good player. He's not like the the superstar player that he was a couple of years back, but he's still a very productive player who can go to the Pro Bowl. But I just can't imagine like the Denver Broncos eating that much cap space 
and I think they're going to ask him to restructure, and if he doesn't, then they're going to cut him. I'm sure there are going to be like a half a dozen teams out there lining up for the, the services of Von Miller if he's healthy, if he checks out. I believe he's going to play elsewhere just because I can't imagine Von Miller taking a pay cut. If J.J. Watt is getting like 15, 16 million per year, Von Miller can get that deal. I just can't imagine the Denver Broncos, they're going to ask him to take a significant pay cut just because they want to field a competitive team next year. This isn't just Von Miller, right? I mean, they Right. I mean, they, have they to still sign. they still have a huge question mark at quarterback. I don't know that they've decided on Drew Locke. Brand new GM and finally I think Elway is kind of got kicked upstairs if you would. So this GM I think is going to have a lot more pull and he didn't draft Von Miller and he didn't draft Drew Locke. So, you know, if you're getting yourself in position to be one of those teams vying for somebody like Deshaun Watson, you got to, I mean, you got to have some, uh, some ammunition and, and money's a big one. This is going to be a good one. But I, like you said, I mean, it, there's, there's too many strikes at this point. I get the, the injury, the age. He also had COVID last year. I don't know that really didn't really factor in, but you know who knows what that does to to a body long term. Uh, he's also, and this was kind of I haven't heard anything since it came out. This was in January where he was uh, Von Miller's under investigation from the police. Some comments or texts or threats, alleged threats he made to his fiance hasn't been charged, and I haven't really seen any updates since like. January, so I don't know that may factor into all of this. You know, but I just wanted to bring it up as something that could also muddy the waters here. But like you said, there will be other teams interested. Some of those teams that were interested in J.J. Watt, can they get Von Miller a little cheaper? Dallas, Baltimore, Cleveland, you know, all these teams, you know, Tennessee, Buffalo, Indianapolis, Green Bay, you know, who knows. But there's going to be teams interested. It just depends on at what number. Because like I said, most of those teams aren't in great cap position, but Cleveland is. So line up with Miles Garrett, a couple of Aggies. The only thing is the, the Browns are going to run a lot of four-two-five this year. So they're going to play a lot of, uh, you know, they're going to have five defensive backs. They're going to have a nickel in there. I just don't think... Von Miller would fit that scheme. I think he could play anywhere, but it would be best served for him to play in a 3-4 defense. I think that's what he has played for most of his career. And I think going to a team like the Baltimore Ravens that know how to use those pass rushers effectively. I know the Ravens are going to be in the market, in the draft, looking for those 3-4 outside linebackers. And I just think Von Miller would be would be a tremendous get for them, especially with these free agents, with these older guys, I'm sure they're looking to go somewhere where they can win another championship. But you you look at his stats, 106 sacks. When he was drafted second overall by the Denver Broncos, they thought he was the best player in that draft, and they, they took him. And he's been as good as advertised. But there's a guy by the name of Bradley Chubb who is looking to replace Vaughn Miller who's looking to become that that go-to edge rusher in that defense. And I just, all signs point to Von Miller exiting. 
we're going to see a few players move on from their original teams, and I, I believe he's going to be one of them. I wanted to mention before we get out of here, one last topic. Why isn't Denver being mentioned as a Deshaun Watson destination? We hear Miami. We hear the Jets. We hear the 49ers. People are connecting the dots because they can offer a, a certain quarterback in return and a lot of picks. But I think the Denver Broncos would be ideal. Why are people looking at the Chicago Bears? Why is Russell Wilson telling people that, hey, I'm willing to go to Chicago? Why Chicago? I would want to go to Denver. Denver has those playmakers at receiver. They've got like three or four guys. They've got tight ends. I mean, that's like a dream destination. Mike Munchak has made that offensive line really good, I would say, the last couple of years. And that's been a major revelation. I would want to go to Denver because I have my playmakers there on offense and I've got the necessary protection up front. I don't get it why they aren't talked about as a possible destination. You can always clear cap room. One possible way to do that is to get rid of Von Miller right. and a few Well, they've got they've got room. the space and like I mentioned earlier, I think if you are you want to be in position uh, to make that deal, having the space is obviously a prerequisite, and as well as maybe some players. I don't know. And again, the reason why it doesn't come up, I'm sure, I'm almost positive that Denver will be right in there making a huge push to get Deshaun Watson. I don't think there's any question about it. You've got Herbert. You've got Mahomes in the same division. You've got to have a playmaker you got to have a great player behind center to even contend in that division yeah they will be there they don't get talked about a lot i don't know what it is maybe it's an elway thing i don't know but you know they've got the ninth pick so it's a little bit further down from a team like either the jets or the dolphins again i don't think it's that one pick that's going to make the deal or break it but I don't think there's any question that Denver will be in there swinging, uh, you know, as hard as anybody. I just think there, there are too many things. Like, a, you, like you mentioned, a new GM. They disappointed this year because some people had high expectations for them. I'm not saying they were a playoff team, but they were a lot better than what their record showed. Their head coach is under fire. He's on the hot seat. You know he has a good defense. He has a good scheme in place. They're a quarterback away. People are already starting to say that it's the L.A. Chargers. They are a kind of sleeper for the Super Bowl. If Denver gets a quarterback, the the Broncos are going to be a dangerous team in the AFC West. Oh, no question about it. I mean, like I said, I mean, like you know, you put that quarterback in there, and they will be up there with those other teams that I mentioned. Now, the Raiders would then, I think, be now the fourth team or the fourth best quarterback in that division, and they would get pushed down. And I think I mentioned it in the last show, but you know, this domino of Deshaun Watson falling is going to have a huge impact on the league because, you know, again, the other thing is how long are these quarterback needy teams willing to wait Right. I mean, if Houston keeps holding to the fact that we're not even going to entertain a deal, who's going to be that poker player to say, "Okay, they're bluffing. I'm, you know, I'm going to wait this out, and we're going to make the deal." 
you know, at a certain point, you got to move on. You got to say, all right, we're going to draft this guy or we're going to trade for this guy because we know there's a deal out there to be made. That's going to be the big, who's the best poker player, these GMs, to say, okay, is he able to be gotten or, you know, can we wait until the draft or after the draft? Can we wait that long to make this move? I don't think so. If they were to get him, yeah, AFC West, I think, immediately ramps up to the top of the list above the NFC West's best division. I asked a poll question on Twitter, which quarterback would you trade for? And I had two quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson ran away with it. But Deshaun Watson got like 80% of the votes. He's younger. Russell Wilson got 20. Most, And I would imagine that has a lot to do with it. Most... Not to say that Russ is old, but Deshaun is much younger. Maybe a little bit more dynamic. Maybe he doesn't have quite the the shiftiness that Russ has, but he's a bigger dude, I guess, and, and just the, the age and what he's been able to do. Now, obviously, uh, Russ has been to a couple Super Bowls, and you know he's played on some good teams and has always produced when called upon. But I guess if you had the choice, one or the other, you got to take the younger guy, don't you? Man, why are people always hating on Russell Wilson? <laughs> Look, they're realizing that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. His his chip his chip on his shoulder should be bigger than Brady's, and I don't even know if that's possible. I mean, it's amazing. You win a Super Bowl, you come really close to winning. If a he just would have given it to Marshawn. <laughs> That's not his fault. I don't think he called that. The coach has said he should have known better. Play. All right. I mean, you want to be the hero. Call an I mean, There's no way you call. There's no way you call Marshawn Lynch's name out there when you can be the hero. When you can be the goat. Well, I mean, there you he go. was happy to take that reins on. All right. But people always hate on Russell Wilson. I'm serious. I mean, he's always talked about as MVP candidate the last few years, but. No, it really has some trouble. Though. That's really. just it, is that he doesn't get the votes. Uh, yeah, like I said, we, we, when we did that midseason thing, he was far and away the MVP leader. And then they kind of changed the way they played. He fell off. You know, they started running the ball a lot more. And they didn't win. They lost to the Rams a couple of times. And, it was, and here we are, a list of teams that I'd be willing to go to. I'm really happy here. But if I was... To, this is where I'd want to go. And they're all big cities. I'm sure his wife has something to do with that too, right? The Russ brand, dangerous brand to be in a big market like Chicago or uh, Dallas. Russell, I always believed in you. All right. You know, I'm, I'm in Russell. I always believed in you. I'm in your corner, man. And, and if I had the choice between Deshaun Watson and you, I'd take Russell Wilson in a, in a heartbeat just because he's been there in the big games, in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl. That's that's what matters. I'm not saying Deshaun Watson can't get there because obviously he won a national championship at Clemson and he's proven that he can take you there. But I was with you, Russell, back when you, know, you were drafted back way in the day in the third round. I thought you were going to become a good starting quarterback. You've exceeded my expectations. I'm in your corner, Russ. All right, Russ, if you're listening, you're feeling the love from pros like us. That's going to do it for us this week, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Tell your friends. As always, on the way out, we wish you peace.